Welcome to Lemper Report Live. On today's broadcast, one of the stupidest foods I've ever heard of. The White House gets serious about nutrition. McDonald's misguided new promotion. The world is bracing for a food shock. The missing link to food waste and a new fast food cook that works for about half the cost. On Bullseye, we take a look at one of the most dangerous food trends and why it has to be banned. And now, let's get started. So, Sally, um, I guess we first heard about this pizza cupcake uh, on Shark Tank, where they got an investor, um, one of Lori uh, Grainer on Shark Tank invested in it, comes in two flavors, margarita and pepperoni. Um, I remember a few years ago that somebody sent me something similar to this, and it basically was like a croissant kind of dough um, with the tomato sauce and the cheese inside. And at that point, uh, I forgot what number we gave it as a review, but it was really low and really, uh, you know, I'm a purist. I come from New Jersey. Pizza <laughs> needs to be thin. It needs to be tasty. You need to be able to fold it over, not as a pizza cupcake. What do you think? <laughs> I'm with you. I, I do like the New York style pizza, uh, New Jersey style. Um, this this is this is an interesting product that I think could be appealing to parents for kids for snacks. But the price kind of bothers me because it's a box of twelve of these for twenty five dollars, and uh, they're selling this. I know at least in Tennessee they're selling this at a lot of WalMarts around here, and I'm just surprised that um, something that expensive, you know, that a lot of people, especially people that are shopping at Walmart, you know, trying to get good deals that they're going to buy that. And also, you know, 12 of them um, is, is a big box for your freezer. I don't, I don't, I don't think I could fit that in my freezer. <laughs> you, True, you do need some space for that. Yeah. And it's filled with mozzarella cheese, imported Italian tomatoes. And what they say in the press release is that it's a trade secret dough trade secret dough, not traditional pizza dough. Um, it's flaky and savory. So I think it's probably very similar to what I had tasted last time. It was almost like a croissant and it was horrible. <laughs> well, from what I read that their, their trade secret dough is a mixture of a pan brioche and sourdough. So yeah. if that sounds like what you had. <laughs> no, no, mine was more like a croissant. <laughs> but on to on to healthier and better things. Uh, the White House um, announced more than eight billion dollars in new commitments as part of the call to action for the White House conference on hunger, nutrition and health. Um, I I'm very excited about this. I, I really think that um, the Biden administration is doing something really cool. Uh, something like this hasn't happened since the Nixon administration when he had a conference on food and nutrition. Uh, they've raised this $8 billion. 2.5 is going to be invested in startup companies that are pioneering solutions for hunger and food insecurity. Over $4 billion is going to be dedicated towards philanthropy that improves access to nutritious food, promotes healthy choices, and increases physical activity. Um, this comes on the heels um, of the FDA just a couple of days before the conference coming out with the fact that they're going to redesignate the word healthy. 
Um, there's been a lot of controversy about healthy. Um, certain products can't be called healthy by law. Nuts, salmon, avocados, olive oil, water. It, it's ineligible the way the law is written now. Um, but, you know, you could put the word healthy on low fat yogurts that have a lot of added sugar in it, you know, breakfast cereals with a lot of sugar. So it's time that FDA cleaned up this mess. But I'm just concerned that until they really start looking at category by category in the supermarket, um, it's not going to mean anything. They're just going to come up with, you know, another regulation of of how you could deem, you know, something healthy. Um, what they say is there's basically two points to this, um, that it can it can contain a certain meaningful amount of food from at least one of the food groups or subgroups like fruit, vegetable, dairy, that's recommended by the dietary guidelines. So a certain meaningful amount from at least one of the food groups. So you could have, um, you know, let's take dairy. You could have this pizza cupcake that has lots of cheese in it. And, you know, uh, it's got tomatoes, uh, but forget about the dough. And that could be called healthy. And the adherence to specific limits for certain nutrients, such as saturated fat, sodium, and added sugars, and so on. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the FDA is any closer to having a good definition for the word healthy, but I'm encouraged by the White House program. What do you think? Yes, I agree with you. And I, I am encouraged also by what they're doing. I think what is really key to this initiative is that, you know, is that they're that what they're saying is, is that this can't just be the federal government um, tackling um our nutrition, our food insecurity. Um, you know, we've got disease, so many diseases related to nutrition, and it can't just be the federal government. So what they're what they're doing is they're calling on society to contribute to this, and in that. All of these organizations and companies, some CPGs, are making commitments that um, that hopefully will help with um, tackling this huge issue in our country. Yeah, and a lot of retailers are involved. Albertsons is involved, uh, Publix, uh, Hy-Vee, um, and with very specific commitments. Um, I believe that Hy-Vee is, you know, um, isolating. I think it's a hundred cities. Um, that have, you know, poor populations and what they're going to do, how they're going to use the registered dietitians there and so on. It, it, it's really a great effort of everybody working together. I hope it keeps going um, because, again, you know, what we saw with Michelle Obama with schools, with school lunch, as soon as the Obamas were out of the White House, those programs stopped. And if, in fact, we we're going to, um, you know, change the course of healthfulness in this country, this just can't be, you know, let's make the headlines now uh, for the next year or two years. We really have to have a commitment moving forward um, to make these things happen. Yes, and, and, and a lot of this help is coming across the board from farming to um, food banks to, like you said, dietitians helping guide shoppers. Um, it's, it's coming from all angles. And talking about health, um, our friends at McDonald's have come up with another brilliant idea. Uh, they're bringing back adult Happy Meals. Adult <laughs> Happy Meals? 
you know, and, and I understand that people are more depressed than ever before. They're more anxious than ever before. But going to McDonald's and having a happy meal is not going to solve the problem. <laughs> I think that this this is probably targeted for my age range because the happy meal when I was a kid in the 80s was a really big thing in there. And they're trying to play on that. Um, nostalgic feeling. Uh, but they, you they, go to McDonald's for an adult happy meal? No, I'm not. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know, the, one of the reasons why I'm not going to go is one, I don't want a toy. There's a toy that comes with it, you know, that is one of the um, the the characters from the McDonald's crew. Um, they've partnered with a company called Cactus Plant Flea Market, which is a st streetwear brand. So, um, so there's this vintage vibe to it, but it's $13.19 for this Happy Meal. And um, I think that I could do better at the um, vegetarian place, cafe, that's right next door to the McDonald's in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, spending 13 bucks on a Happy Meal would not make me happy at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yet another brand manager who's going to be looking for a job real soon. Um, what we're seeing that came out of the IMF, uh, the International Monetary Fund, is a warning that food insecurity is going to get worse, um, even though prices are down. Um, what are the factors? Factors that we've been talking about here uh, for months. Um, supply chain, challenges to Ukraine's crops, high prices of fertilizer and energy. Um, they're saying and predicting about $50 billion is going to be needed to eradicate the acute food insecurity for 2022. In the longer term, chronic food insecurity and incidents of malnutrition will boost the cost significantly. Um, we you know, this is on top of all the climate, the conflict, the COVID-19, just everything um, is pointing to the fact that we're going to see higher prices in foods continue for, for quite a bit. Yes. And, and you know, it, it is exhausting that we are talking about this so much lately because it is just the top of the news all of the time that people are facing this. And in this, you know, in this particular report, there are 48 countries that have been identified that will probably be in the most crisis. And, and I think most of those are in Africa. Um, but this food insecurity that's global um, or here in our own country, affects us all. And, you know, with, with the way that the climate has been, been behaving, and also like you talked about fertilizer prices, and with um, supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine, um, there are so many factors contributing to this. And so we've got to be as retail retailers, and those dietitians, we've got to help people learn how to shop in a way that they can still eat healthy, and they can feed their whole family. Absolutely. And, you know, a new report's just come out that says, the problem with food waste is um, lack of transparency. And I'll explain. Um, first of all, it's important to note that food waste is responsible for about 8% of greenhouse gas emissions, um, significant amount. Um, there's actionable data. There is different things that everybody has to do. But what I want to reinforce is the most important focus area for food waste, according to the EPA, should be prevention, preventing food waste, 
40% of all of our food supply in the U.S. is wasted, whether it's in our home, whether it's in a supermarket, whether it's in a restaurant, and that's probably probably the best thing. Now, this report says if we had data that would establish the baselines um, for food waste, we could then start to solve it um, and then have people working together. Um, what they really say is we have an organizational challenge here that most retail um, organizations lack clear ownership over food waste reporting. And even if the food and even if the information about waste is collected, there's no incentive to share it externally, um, whether it be with consumers or CPG companies or anybody else. Um, so bottom line is, you know, I don't think it's about transparency. I mean, we, we keep on talking about food waste, that, that we've got to stop wasting. But until I think each of us on a personal level, as well as retailers and manufacturers, decide to stop wasting as much food, we're not going to see a, you know, a significant reduction. What do you think? Well, I, I agree that, that everyone needs education on how to not waste food. Um, I also see that there is a great opportunity for tech companies in this situation. Um, you know, this, this idea of sharing information and collecting data that can help us waste less food, um, especially in, within the food industry, um, the tech companies have an opportunity to step in and help um, connect these retailers with brands, with um, with farmers, with food banks, so that you know there can be there there can be reporting and identification of areas where we are failing, and we can direct food before it is wasted to people in need. Hopefully, yeah, um, I'm totally totally on that same page uh, with you. Good catch. Um, so you know we know we have a labor shortage in this country, uh, especially lower paying jobs like at fast food restaurants. So there's this new company, uh, Nala Robotics, who have, has developed a new fast food robot. It can fry chicken wings, French fries, and other foods. It can season them, put them on a plate. Um, it's called the Wingman, and it's available to rent for. $2,999. I wonder how they came up with that price. Uh, they're saying that bottom line, it's it's half the price of having an employee. Um, it's monstrous. I mean, this is not like a cute little robot that looks like a dog. This is a huge thing, huge apparatus. Um, I'm concerned that, yes, we have a labor shortage. Um, yes, we have this technology technology that can do these things like Flippy, you know, the one uh, robot that uh, White Castle is putting about 100 of their locations uh, to basically flip burgers so you don't need a human being. But I think if we if we lose that human touch um, and, and just, you know, put all the fast food restaurants, you know, robotically, um, I think we're going to lose something. And I think that people are going to stop going to fast food restaurants. <laughs> yes, the, the human connection is something that, you know, that I feel that they is kind of getting sucked into the digital and the Internet and the tech world, you know, in so many areas. 
Um, and, you know, looking at looking at the wages that they would save on in paying a person, you know, if they're paying seven dollars an hour in some places and and, you know, consider that some states require minimum wage to be 15. Some yep. states, you know, some states they're paying 22 for fast food jobs. But just at seven dollars an hour, if somebody works um 18 hours per day, 30 days a month, that costs the company um, $3,780. So they're already saving money with this robot. Um, now, whether or not consumers are going to be bothered if a robot is making their food, um, I don't know if they will in general. In general, I would be bothered by that myself. Um, but I also think that there are ethical issues here as far as, you know, companies, you know, taking responsibility for the fact that, you know, we want, we want people in jobs. We want people to be able to work and take care of themselves. I agree. I mean, I think one advantage to this um, is certainly from a food safety standpoint, there's less chance of, of cross-contamination and things like that, as long as the robot is kept clean uh, by a human being, you know, I, I don't think it cleans itself. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that we, we really have to be careful. And yes, this is in the back room, this one, but how far away is it to have a robot um, at the front counter uh, and one that looks a little bit better than this one, um, taking our orders and so on. Already we've seen a lot of McDonald's go digital where you walk in, there's a kiosk, you can order from that and they just bring out your food. And I just think to your point, you know, from an ethical standpoint and a humanitarian standpoint, you know, we just can't keep on eliminating jobs. I know what they're gonna say. We Nobody wants these jobs. Well, if nobody wants these jobs, um, you know, maybe we don't need as many McDonald's or Subways or whatever um, that are around. I don't, you know, I, I think <laughs> the fast food industry, you know, really needs to reimagine itself. Um, so it, it can, you know, pay more uh, to, to employees, maybe use certain amount of robotics to ease uh, some of those jobs so that you can, you know, uh, have some kind of balance, but, you know, in a way it scares me. So last week I spoke with Grace Cheng and she shared with me how she's making oatmeal sexy. Yep, sexy. For the full interview, just log on to supermarketguru.com, click on the Lost in the Supermarket logo on the top, and here's what Grace had to say. Your background is not food. Your background is being a fashion model. How did you get into the food business and why oatmeal? That's my favorite question, Phil. I don't think anybody grows up dreaming, dreaming of creating an oatmeal company because, you know, when you think of fashion, it's like, you know, runways and all this glam and whatnot and food. You know, food has always been a huge passion of mine. I'm such a foodie and to be honest, oatmeal is just my favoriteest thing in the world. And I oh, wait a minute. How can it be your favoriteest thing in the world? Oatmeal, um, at least before uh, before milk came on on the scene, oatmeal is pretty boring. Even even if you look at some of the oatmeals that are out there that do have blueberries, stuff like that. I mean, it's pretty boring stuff. Yeah, I mean, it has a bad rap for being bland, kind of gross looking. I, I always tell people oatmeal is not the sexiest thing out there. 
And what we're trying to do is make oatmeal sexy again. Because here's the thing. Throughout my my crazy life of going to full-time business school, um, doing fat, like just modeling, traveling the world, doing all the different shows, castings, just long, crazy months, to be honest, right? Oatmeal is one constant that got me through my busiest days. And I say that with so much confidence because, you know, even after my first circuit of fashion week, going from New York to London, Milan, Paris, the whole shebang, when I got home, the first thing that I missed was my oatmeal. On today's bullseye, it's time to fight back. The brand is Packy Hot Chips, the one that's adorned with Carolina Reaper, the hottest chili peppers in the world that has a Scoville rating of up to 2,200,000. Now, that's about, just to give you some reference, about 880 times hotter than the average jalapeno pepper, which has a rating of up to 8,000 Scoville, just as a comparison. And scorpion peppers are also included, which has a measly Scoville rating of just over 2 million. The promotion, which should be stopped immediately and is being banned in some school districts, is the one-chip challenge. This is just stupid and it's dangerous. A very different challenge than back in 1967, Lay's potato chip tagline, bet you just can't eat one. Talking about one, now there's only one chip per package, and the package is a coffin-shaped box. And to make matters worse, the chip actually turns the eater's tongue blue, so you can prove that you ate one. Retailers who sell the chip include 7-Eleven, Kroger, Circle K, Hy-Vee, Safeway, Walgreens, to name just a few. According to their website, they're sold in 95 different chains across the U.S. and Canada. Good major retailers. Hey. Retailers, I have to ask you all to stop selling this product. On Amazon, the package, again, to, to remind you, contains just one individually wrapped chip, two-tenths of an ounce, sells for $8.99 for one chip. Sure, the brand's website is loaded with warnings, but what has me concerned is that it also says to eat the entire chip and to wait as long as you can before drinking or eating anything. They then want you to post your reaction to eating the chip on social media and to tag them. And a lot of people are doing it. Now, to add to the challenge on their site, if you last only one minute, you're called powerless. 10 minutes, powerful. 30, supercharged. And one hour, invincible. And of course, it's a leaderboard. So everybody wants to last an hour. And of course, there's an illustration of the Grim Reaper next to this scoring. Come on. While they do have around 50,000 likes on Facebook, the individual videos that eaters post have very few views and lots of people posting nasty things about the taste, about the stomach discomfort and pain, and many saying to stop selling these. But on TikTok, their primary audience, they have almost 340,000 followers with some challenger video views of over 400,000 just for one video. Clearly, the TikTok viewers are their audience, and it's a sad day for us all as we seem to celebrate other people's discomfort when eating these. As I mentioned, schools are banning these, and some students have actually been sent to the hospital after participating in the challenge. Some students have had nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and stomach pain. 
Now, I love great promotions, great PR, great advertising for foods, but this is simply promoting a chip that could be dangerous and isn't funny. I know the video on your website just shows adults and not kids, but kids are buying these and taking your challenge. I don't care how many warnings you put on the package or on your website or on social media. Stop this nonsense now. Packy, I'll give you a challenge. Drop this challenge. Take this off the market now and focus on your other chips and build a great brand without a dangerous gimmick. Sally, you're a mom of two. Have your kids been bugging you to get Packy hot chips? Well, Phil, they they have not, um, but they are informed. And the reason they are informed is because my daughter goes to a an elementary school, K through fifth grade, and uh, a child brought this this chip to school, and so they have now banned it. And they sent an alert out to all of the parents, letting them know that this was the first this was the first I had even heard of it. So my children are aware of this, but I have to tell you, Phil, um, I've seen this. I've seen this in a couple of places here in Nashville. I've seen it at our convenience store, Matco. But the place that shocked me the most was I saw it at the mall in Five Below. Five Below is a store for kids. It is a pop culture toy store for kids. It is not a food store. And I just found it absolutely shocking that they would sell this in the place where the kids are going to the mall and wanting to spend their money on something. Unbelievable. Packy, take our challenge. Stop selling these chips. You're doing your brand a disservice. You're doing consumers a disservice. And you're making people ill. Doesn't work for me. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, don't forget, visit supermarketguru.com. We post every single day. Um, and also check out the Lemper Report live archives from the past and catch up. And don't forget to leave us a message on social media and give us your take. And whether or not you've tried the Packy Hot Challenge and whether or not you think that this product should be taken off the market. See you next week.